Let's go through every single package installed with a Linux install image. I'm going through the software included with Slackware, but these are all open source applications and libraries, so whether you're running Slackware like me, or Fedora, Debian, BSD, or even Mac or Windows, you can probably download, install, and try these on your computer. So chances are, you'll be able to learn something from this podcast. Let's get started. First one up is KTNEF. That's K-T-N-E-F, Transport Neutral Encapsulation Format. It is a proprietary email attachment format. This is obviously a compatibility library. It's important, but the KTNEF uh, protocol is used by Microsoft Outlook and Microsoft Exchange. Moving on, next up is KTorrent. Now this one... I enjoy. I know about KTorrent. So KTorrent is the is my preferred torrent client. There are a couple of good ones out there that I that I'm familiar with. There's KTorrent. There's Transmission or, or uh, well Transmission Qt. I don't know what the official name of that is if there is one. But yeah, there's a torrent client there in tor- uh, rather a transmission client that is both JT one in in GTK and one as Cute, so I usually go with transmission. Cute if I go with transmission, but on KDE you get KTorrent anyway, so does it really matter? Or I should say you can get KTorrent on Slack where you get KTorrent. On other KDE systems, I've seen uh, KTorrent not being uh, bundled, but either way, it's there and it's pretty well integrated with the rest of KDE. There's also KGET, which is different than KTorrent, and it can handle torrent files, and for quite some time. I, I didn't bother setting my preferred client or something, and, and every time I would download a torrent file, it would offer, like, my desktop would ask, ask if I wanted to open it in KGET. And while KGET is not bad, I mean, it's, it's very capable, it's, it's fine, but KTorrent's really nice. Like, it's a really nice client. But before I get into the, the client itself, let's just talk really briefly about BitTorrent. Uh, so KTorrent is, is a is a client for 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 BitTorrent and BitTorrent of course is a protocol it, and the protocol of BitTorrent is is fairly limited in scope its goal is to create swarms of computer users who who all want to download the same file and when one computer gets some portion of that file then other computers in that same swarm or in that swarm i should say um can now download that portion of the file from from that computer that already got it and so then they have that file or that portion of the file and so then other computers can get that portion of the file and then once Maybe some other computer has a, a portion of the file that, that the first one doesn't have yet. So the first one can get that portion of the file from the other computer, and then the other computers can get that from the other computers as well. You know, and it just it's 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 just exponential in growth, and that's why it's so brilliant and fast, like really fast. And in fact, the more computers wanting the same thing, the faster it is or or well yeah the faster it is because the more sources you have to download from i mean obviously there are limits because it's based on bandwidth and, and and so on but that's what BitTorrent is in order to interface with BitTorrent, there has to be an application and so those applications are called torrent uh clients and 
KTorrent is one of them. The significance of the the client is that it is a, I mean, it, it's kind of weirdly a, a torrent browser, although it, it isn't really. But, I mean, if we, if we try to think of another application in that same realm, then we would think po- possibly of an email client, which no one uses either. So then we would think of a web browser, which a lot of people use. Um, and so the the browser is that kind of friendly sort of default way to interface with HTTP. Although you can inter you can interact with HTTP through other other means, you know, curl or Python HTTPX or or whatever. So you don't have to use a web browser, but that's the the convenient obvious way. And in a similar way, a, a torrent client would be the easy and obvious way to interact with torrents. So your client is going to accept a .torrent file, so a, a torrent file, and parse it. That torrent file has information in it, and you can you can download one and just take a look at it, like in a text editor. But it, it has a list of it has different information in it. But one of the the, the main portion of it is a list of trackers. Trackers are servers online that when you are essentially you're requesting a file from the internet. And so when you do that, you you sort of almost register with a tracker and you let that tracker know that you are downloading the the file, you know, you 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 have requested this file. And once you start receiving parts of that file, then the tracker also knows that because your your client your, your torrent client is telling it the tracker also knows that now you have that that portion of the file for sharing for 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 feeding back to this to the rest of the to the to the swarm i think that's everything you kind of need to know about BitTorrent for for using ktorrent uh, i will say i guess that no let's just go through ktorrent first uh it's it's a really nice application like i said i'm gonna open it up here Along the top, there are a couple of uh, buttons, and these buttons determine sort of your your view in the rest of the of the window. So there's a section called torrents, and then there's a section called plugins. Plugins is is almost like a configuration screen. It just shows you what plugins are available that they're, that are installed on your system and which ones are enabled. Right now, I think I have all, I've got one, which is an information widget. It displays general information about a torrent in several tabs. There you go. That's what I've got installed. But there's a bunch. I mean, there's IP filter, there's magnet creator, there's a media player, uh, scan folder, scan for lost files, uh, statistics, all kinds of stuff. There's a shutdown um, thing so that if, you know, if you want to torrent something overnight, but then shut your, shut down the computer after the torrent, the, the, the torrent that you're downloading ends, you can do that. So that's, those are plugins. Uh, the main window really though is you'll usually, you're, you're likely to have it set to torrents, which is just a big, big long list of all the torrents that you have active. And when I say active, you are probably downloading and uploading a file uh, through your torrent client. There are, I guess, sort of, in a way, two components to a torrent. There's the torrent file, which, as I've said, identifies sort of the map of where that file exists out there on the internet. Uh, Or rather, yeah, on, on, on within, you know, what other computers have that file up for offer. And 
then there's the file itself that you are actually downloading. So if you're you're downloading a torrent of Slackware, for instance, then you would need you would need the torrent file for that Slackware torrent, which is available on Slackware.com. Maybe I'll include a link to it. I don't know in show notes. Um, and and that registers you with some tracker. I mean, as not nefariously, you're you're opening your KTorrent client, right? So you're 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 voluntarily saying, I'm going to start downloading this file from other computers, and once I have portions of this file available, please help help distribute it further. That's the idea of torrent. You can set specifics within KTorrent though to, for instance, limit the rate of your download or upload speed. Now I'm on a very good connection these days, so I have the luxury of just setting everything to no limit, and and nothing bad ever happens. It's it's brilliant. You can just torrent all day and all night, and nobody nobody yells at you, uh, either within your own house or or from your ISP. But uh, on on other on previous connections, uh, that's something I've had to worry about. Like I'll, maybe maybe I can't afford, uh, as it were, to take up my entire upload bandwidth uh, while sharing uh, a Slackware ISO back to the internet, or maybe I can't afford to occupy my entire download uh, speed, or, or bandwidth rather, while downloading the Slackware ISO. So you can set that stuff in configure KTorrent uh, in the network category. You can set a bunch of other stuff, I mean all the usual, um, all the usual things like where do your torrents go? Uh, where, where, or rather, where does the, well, no, actually, yes. Where do your torrents go? Um, so if you have, a, I don't know, an external drive, for instance, that uh, houses all of your ISOs, then set the default location to that folder, and then you don't have to set it every time you're downloading a, a, a torrent, a, an ISO file from torrent, from BitTorrent. You can set where the torrent files themselves go, so that the, the Slackware 15 dot, torrent, where, where does that little tiny little text file go? Do you want to save that maybe next to the, the, the downloaded file, or do you have a special, a specific folder for it? It's up to you. You can also minimize KTorrent to your system tray, either at your leisure or upon startup. So if it's one of those applications that you just want running all the time in the background, just go right up to system tray. You won't even notice it until you need it. It's, it's really great. It's just a, it's, it's a fantastic, it's a, a really well-designed application. And I'm not saying that the other clients aren't. It's, you know, to, uh, Transmission's quite nice as well. I, I quite enjoy that one. But KTorrent's just right here. It's already, it, it's it's integrated into KE in the little tiny ways that it is. And I really just kind of enjoy enjoy using this particular one. Um, in the, the main window, you, there are buttons. That, there's a lot of buttons in this window. And that's probably, this is a very like KDE3 kind of application. You, I mean, it's not, but it's, it does have a certain resemblance to that. There are buttons on top of buttons, on top of menus, on top of submenu. It's just, it is a, it's one of those applications. And yet I kind of feel like that's exactly what it ought to be. Somehow this is not, like this is exactly what I expect from, I guess, a torrent client. I'm not saying that there's not a better way to design these things. There probably is. Someone could come up with a, well, certainly someone could come up with a, prettier way. I don't know that that would be better, though. Um, I like this one. So there are buttons down at the bottom. You can click Q Manager to see sort of uh, the order of what torrents are active, um, how, you know, which ones are are um, stalled, like paused, which ones are, are, are finished, which ones are queued for, for processing, and so on. 
So that's your queue manager. Magnet downloader, uh, I don't have anything there, but um, status, you can get status on a specific selection uh, of a torrent file. So it'll tell you like what the average download speed is, what the average upload speed is, uh, any comments attached to the file, the info hash of the file, and how many chunks of this um, payload have you downloaded or or actually just downloaded? Um, there are there, there's a view of the files contained within a torrent because a torrent one dot torrent file does not equal necessarily one exact file. Sometimes it might be I don't know an ISO file and a bunch of well actually all, all that stuff would probably be on the ISO file, but it could be like um, a movie plus the a text file containing the movie's description, or a movie and a subtitles file, for instance, um, and so on. There are web seeds, which I've never used, but they're um, they're sort of uh, hosted torrents. Peers, who else? What else are you connected to? This essentially would be, you know, your swarm, the the other the other people looking for this file. And then there's uh, chunks and then trackers, and that, that just kind of parses the .torrent file and shows you the information about the trackers listed in that torrent file. Some of them may not even be around anymore, they might have lost track of, of something, or they might have just gone offline, whatever, but um, it lists the ones that are there, how many people are seeding the particular file that you're looking for, how many people are not seeding, and so on. Um, so, and, and of course you can, you know, you could, I mean, if you, if you wanted to, I don't know why you would want to, but like, let's say you're at a place where you just have no upload speed. I guess that would be one reason. You could, you could tell KTorrent to not upload back, like just download. I mean, that is known as leeching. It is not super popular. People generally don't appreciate it because then the adage that the more people downloading a thing means everyone goes faster is not true. Like, then then you've got people just downloading and not contributing that information back to that sort of mesh network, as it were. So, it's not great. But, I mean, you know, sometimes you have to do that. It just kind of depends on your your, on your situation. And certainly, ideally, there are enough people on good connections that are able to feed back into the system uh, that a couple of leechers or several leechers doesn't really matter. I, I think that BitTorrent is one of the most important technologies, sincerely. One of the most important open source technologies, and, and one of the most important free and open culture technologies. I think that it's gotten a really bad rap, which which is probably another indicator that it's really important. Um, this is, I mean, this is the, this should be a default. And in fact, it is a default. I mean, if you look around, um, at least according to Wikipedia, uh, somewhere on, I think, the BitTorrent page, it, it does, it, it had an overview for a while, can't find it uh, now that I'm talking about it, um, of, of, you know, places that have actually used it. And there are, there are places, here it is, Blizzard Entertainment used BitTorrent. Uh, they, I mean, they, they, it, so it's an open, open protocol, and they used a proprietary torrent client that they probably didn't call torrent client. You know, they they probably they they called it something else, Blizzard Downloader, apparently. Uh, and apparently, it was used for patches for like Diablo and Starcraft and uh, World of Warcraft. 
you know that little the little game World of Warcraft. Uh, there's uh, apparently War Gaming. I don't know what that is. World of Tanks, World of Warships. Never heard of any of those things. Um, there was a um, Resilio client. Apparently, don't know what that is. No, Resilio Sync is a BitTorrent-based folder syncing tool, which can act as an alternative to server-based synchronization services like Dropbox. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. I was at a technical conference one time, and I don't even think it was an open source. No, it was. It was not. It was. Uh, it was a broadcasters uh, conference. I think maybe I'm getting mixed up. But there was a conference that I was at, and it was there was a company there who had essentially a digital streaming platform. This is uh, I'm not going to say well before Netflix, but I. Th- think it, you know, it was early Netflix. I think it might have been before Netflix streaming. So it was back when Netflix was just mailing you a DVD in the mail. Um, so, and, and so this was a streaming platform based on BitTorrent. Like, it was a big deal, and I remember getting pretty excited about it because I was, I was, I think I was in a location where I hadn't expected to come across something like that. Or it could be that I was in an open source conference and I wasn't expecting to find something media-based. But I think I was at a media conference and wasn't expecting to find something open source-based. So, that was cool. So yeah, I mean, people are using it, people recognize that it is literally, I mean, it is a superior technology to the old model, which would have been set up a server, tell people to download a file from you, and hope that you don't get too many people all at the uh, all at the same time. And if you do, then set up another server real quick. That's the old method, and it's it's the method that most corporations are clinging to because of that that concept of of I, I guess we call it ownership, but I feel like that undersells it. I mean, it really is, it's not about ownership. I mean, ownership is fine, right? We all have to have stuff that we call our own. But, I mean, it's really, it's just that greed sort of horde mentality of only I can have this thing. Even though it's a digital file, it's just an assortment of bits and bytes. I mean, it represents something, whether it's a movie or a a, a music file or software and 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 they they want to have control over it and if that control means using substandard technology to distribute it then they're perfectly happy to do that i mean there are many many companies out there in fact i would say the majority of of distributors out there are not using BitTorrent because they don't want to contribute to that as a sort of a conceptual system they, they don't want to give it they don't want to validate it, I guess. So that's just silly. Um, and it kind of amazes me that in real life, in open source, we we don't recognize, I don't think, typically, that companies avoid open source on a philosophical basis. But when you as an open source user declare that you want to avoid non-open software on a philosophical basis, people get very, very angry at you. Not everyone, but but people can. They they do get they 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 they, they feel like that is a a useless statement to make. Uh, but apparently not, because there's there are many statements against open source software and protocols that are being made on a purely philosophical uh, viewpoint to their detriment. And I mean, that's their choice, right? I mean, that is their choice. They, they don't have to contribute or validate BitTorrent as a protocol because the protocol exists whether they use it or not. And I think that's one of the most dangerous things about BitTorrent 
to large companies that want to hoard information uh, is that people can use BitTorrent without their approval. <laughs> I mean, people are going to be using this technology whether they like it or not, and that is what is happening, and I think that is why one of the reasons why I love it so much. I mean, it is superior and it is empowering. It lets people broadcast, essentially, without the reliance on a, a, a on, on sort of really super powerful infrastructure. I mean, there's always infrastructure that we rely on. I, I understand that. You always are going to need the, the hardware, you're going to need the, 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 the wires, the cables, or at least the radio broadcasting device. You know, so you're, you're going to need something, and I get that. And, and, and BitTorrent is not completely self-contained. I mean, although there are, there's been a lot of advancement in BitTorrent. So, I mean, there are, there are trackers that, that don't need to live in one place all the time. I mean, it, it can get pretty complex and cool. But generally speaking, you know, there there's infrastructure there, but it is very, very minimal. And that's huge. I mean, that's a big deal. That that's that that's giving a lot of power to just normal people. And and I think that anything that reduces the the barrier to entry, not just to that technology, but just to the digital to to, to life as a digital creature. I mean, you're not really digital, but you know what I mean? Like the digital lifestyle, like anything that lowers that barrier is is a positive thing. And so if you want to distribute a big file across a network, you can do that with BitTorrent. It's 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 really it's it's something that you have access to. I'm not going to say it's really easy cuz there's setup involved. Like there's I'm in fact I would even go so far as to say that creating a torrent file is not as easy as it should be. And you can argue with me on that, but I mean, if I go to a file on my hard drive, and right click on it here's a little image file and go down to share there there's i can send it to which is this is weird send it to telegram i don't even have telegram installed that's weird uh send to device google drive that's weird too uh send via bluetooth send via email and uh I am I am G U R. So those are the share options by default on my Dolphin, and I, I honestly, it's funny that I've never noticed half of those. I've, I I send to device with KDE Connect, and that's that's the one that I've ever ever messed around with. I didn't even notice really what the entries were. So anyway, there's no like share via torrent there. You know, I mean, like if you want to do that, then you're you're going to be googling for the setup stuff. I mean, I guess I could also just say, look. KTorrent file um, new. Okay, so here's create a torrent menu. File or directory to create the torrent from. Okay, sure. I'll select this random photo or this uh, image file from this directory. Or actually, I won't apparently because it won't let me descend into that directory. That's weird. How about if I... No, okay, so it's only looking at directories. Cool. All right. Oh, because I had it set to set directory. All right, that's better. Okay, so I'm going back to my RAM disk here. And here is a image file, size of each chunk, 512 kilobytes. Yeah, sure, it's it's just an image file. That sounds reasonable to me. Start seeding, yeah, I guess. Private torrent DHT not allowed or decentralized DHT only. 
let's go decentralized. I wish it would give me guidance on which one I should choose, but it doesn't. Um, add torrent to group, all torrents, I don't really know. Uh, trackers, there we go. So, trackers, I don't know what that means. What, what's a tracker? How do I get a tracker? Who, who, who can I track with? Web seeds, I don't know what that is. How do I get one? DHT nodes, sure, I guess. I don't really know. I don't know what that means either. So then if I say okay to that, it's offering to allow me to now save a file, which presumably is my torrent file. I'll just call it random image file dot torrent. And now I've got a random image file dot torrent saved on my hard drive. What do I do with that? There's no guidance here. Um, I, I have no idea what to do with this random torrent file. Am I meant to send that to the person I want to enable to download it? Or, like, how does this work? Like, what are, what are the next steps? So, you know, there there are lots of things here that, that, that are, are, are not great. Like, there, you know, there's, there are weaknesses here. It's not exactly as easy as it could be. But it's a powerful system, nevertheless. Like, the protocol itself is, is powerful, the clients are really well written, and if you take the time to learn the steps, then it can be a powerful way to distribute information. Similar, in my mind, to like RSS. I mean, not that RSS has anything to do with torrenting, except when when they actually do interact, but just in terms of what it makes available to you and me, I think it's huge. It's a big, big deal. And I love that it is demonized as much as it is, but that it persists, because it's a, it's a really, really smart... I mean, I don't need it to be demonized. Believe me, like if people embraced this open technology, that would be my preference. If I could, if I could get content at, over the torrent protocol, the BitTorrent protocol, then that would be great. I think that would be absolutely fantastic. But as it is now, uh, torrent still is the auto corrector for the entire I industry. Like there are industries that are being essentially fixed by BitTorrent. Now, whether or not you or I agree with some of those components, like for instance, should we help the media industry by, by torrenting? And I, I sincerely believe that, that torrenting like movies and TV shows and music, that actually helps the media industry the, the, because it increases their distribution. Now, they may not see it that way. They may see that as quote-unquote piracy. And I, I do acknowledge that they are not getting money for that distribution, but they certainly are getting mindshare, and I'm convinced, I could be wrong, I've, I'm not an economist, um, I'm convinced that the greater the mindshare, eventually the money flows from that. Because yes, you, you might have someone who's getting something that they don't, that they're not paying for today, but that person isn't probably always going to be too broke to pay for your media, or that person wouldn't have watched your media in the, or, or listened or read or whatever your media in the first place from money. So you're not, I don't think, losing money either way. I think you're gaining mindshare. And that person's going to eventually come back to you, either for a copy of that movie or a copy of that music piece, or they're going to stream that movie or music through some authorized channel. But the weird thing is, of course, that a lot of the stuff that people torrent in terms of media isn't even available through authorized channels. And that's why, that's the the torrent component. Not only is it fixing the broken distribution model that we have to deal with, it is also fixing the broken, the, the, the lack of any kind of archive of popular, of, of popular media. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's, I think, 
artistically criminal that you can't find, I don't know, that weird favorite movie that you that you loved as a kid, you can't find it anywhere now because for whatever reason, it didn't endure. I don't know why not. It just didn't, it didn't have the right actor in it or it didn't have the right whatever and now you can't find it. You know where you could possibly find it? BitTorrent. So it's, it's fixing a lot of things. And as I say, you and I may not agree with what it's fixing or how it, or that it's fixing something, or you might. You might think, well, that's, that's it. That's, people are, are creating things and people are finding ways of making sure those things endure. I think both, both of those viewpoints and other viewpoints that I probably haven't thought of are, are perfectly valid. I mean, I even think it's valid when someone complains about BitTorrent. I think a lot of times there is an argument there. Yeah, people might be downloading your thing without paying for it. I mean, first of all, that's not something that's unique to BitTorrent. That is something that is, that, that's common in this world. Like, that's, that's just going to happen. Like, that's human nature in a capitalistic society. There are going to be some people who either cannot or don't want to afford the thing that you are trying to sell them. And that's okay. That's an expectation. That's a rule that's written in the rule book. That's, that's there. That, that is the, whether or not someone wrote it there or whether it's just something that through a series of logical steps is, is written between the lines, that is there. BitTorrent isn't inventing that component. It's just making it technically smarter. And I think that's usually a good thing. Okay, let's go get a cup of coffee. We'll come back and talk about K-Touch. K-Touch, you might think it's a, a library for touchscreen compatibility or something like that. It's not. It is a touch typing tutor. Touch typing, I, I, it's not a term I hear a lot anymore, but I guess it is the technical term for being able to type without looking at the keyboard, which in, in, in my little bubble of a world just isn't, I mean, who doesn't know how to do that? Well, people don't. People have to learn it. Uh, and some people who use computers often don't 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 do that. So this is actually a really useful application, KTouch. It'll teach you how to type. Okay. So the the layout here is it's got an elapsed time, which doesn't start till you start, and then characters per minute and accuracy, and then the the page that you're 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 meant to to. To type really so the the lesson one for some reason I guess it must be t teaching you oh did it not uh, did it not is it not why isn't it not why is it not accepting my there it goes okay uh, the lesson in the first is just it it le it's literally just a series of U's and H's or maybe for a QWERTY user it would be whatever those are what is F and J. Yeah, that, that must be what it is. It's just teaching you literally what your pointer, your index finger, whatever they're called, has on it. So anyway, this is really actually quite boring. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this is great. It would have been it would have been absolutely great for me when I was learning the Dvorak keyboard. Actually, I don't remember what I used to to learn the Dvorak keyboard. I mean, I, I was doing this show when I learned it, so maybe I, I don't know if I, I don't remember if I talked about that process or not. But this would have been good for that. So yeah, if you're if you have you know someone in your life who wants to become a better typist, or if you yourself want you you need maybe you need to brush up on on that then you can do that uh, with K-Touch. Next up is K-Turtle. And K-Turtle is modeled after an old, old software called Turtle? Maybe? Probably? Maybe not. Uh, it was called Logo or something like that. It was like the the system, someone out there right now is is telling me everything about Logo Turtle. Um, but yeah, there, there was this system, I think back at, it was invented, I think, at MIT, or I could be making that up, and it was called Logo. I think the logo was the name of the language, or did Logo use basic? No, I think Logo was the name of the language. And there was a little triangle, and you could tell the triangle to do something. And when the triangle moved, I think by default it left a trail behind it. And I don't remember if you could tell it to stop, or if it always left a trail. I don't remember the flexibility of that application. But K-Turtle is kind of, well, it, it is directly, it is based on that, and so it's got its own little scripting language. Its own scripting language. So, uh, for, for me, personally, this is a little bit of a hard sell, because I keep, my, my, my brain keeps going back to, wait a minute, why would anyone invest time learning K-Turtle script, or, or whatever they call it, when they could learn Python at the very least instead. And there's a great module for Python, and you know, dear listener, if you've been listening to this show for, you know, a couple of years, you'll know that I don't I don't necessarily recommend Python all the time. Like, that's not my, my go-to for everything. But Python has a great Turtle module called, I think it's called, oh yeah, Turtle. Um, and import that into your little Python script, and you can create all kinds of designs with it. So I I feel like like Python makes it relatively easy to get started with with a turtle-like experience. The thing that KTurtle has going for it in my mind is it, it it is a GUI application. And and Python, yeah, you can make it sort of a GUI application. You know, you can you could look into doing like a Jupyter notebook or you could just run idle as a you know it, it does come with an idle window that you could use you could use something else um you could well no i i feel like yeah idle idle or jupiter would probably be your i guess your best bet or you know spider something like that but you, you don't have like a screen with the turtle on it whereas in k turtle that's exactly what you have you've got a turtle on your screen and you can make it do things um now, it won't do it, like, sort of in real time. I mean, it, it will, but, I mean, you do kind of have to, after a while, you have to, at some point, you have to execute your script. So if I say, for instance, uh, reset, R-E-S-E-T, that's, that's just to get us, you know, back to the beginning when we start a new thing. Uh, and then I'll do pin color, all one word, space, let's do, uh, so R-G-B. So let's just do, let's do kind of like a, a pale-ish blue, uh, 50 comma... 150 comma and 200 so lots of blue little touch of red a good amount of green uh and lots of blue so that should that should give us sort of a a teal ish color i guess uh and then pin width all one word 
Uh, let's just do f uh, let's do six. Make it a nice sort of a broad stroke, and then forward. Um, these are probably pixels, so that turtle is probably only about I don't know 80 80 pixels tall. Let's let's say maybe 40. Let's do 120. So he's pointing up. His little nose is pointing up, or his head, whatever. Um, so I'm I'm feeling like forward 120, and then I guess I could do I, I could have him like do a turn right and go on another 120. Okay, now I'm gonna click the run button, and I get to see. Oh, I forgot to. Okay, turn. So okay, so what he did was he he went up 120 pixels, which was a little bit more than I realized it was going to be. Um, and then he turned right 120 degrees. So I was thinking he was going to turn right and then go 120 pixels. He did not. So I'm going to do turn right 90, and then I'll say uh, forward again, because now his head is pointed right. That was the point of me even pointing that out uh, earlier. And then I'll say forward 120. So this time he should make uh, not an L shape, but I guess a, an upside down L shape. There we go. There's a right angle. Um, and of course I could then, you know, just making a really simple shape here, turn right 90 again, forward 120 again, and then turn right one more time. No, wait, that would be, yeah, turn right 90. Yeah, right? One, two, three, four. Yes, okay. And then forward 121. We'll just give it a little bit of a... There we go. He's just drawn a square. You have other things that you can do. You can set the canvas color. You can set your... You, you could set your pen color at any moment. Uh, these are all sort of the usual things that you could... I think you can... I, th I think you can fill shapes? I don't remember now. Um... It's all in the handbook, though. If you go to Help K-Turtle Handbook, you get all of the information that you could ever want. It's really, really well documented. I mean, not confusing, it is, like, really well documented. And it's got some pretty cool things in there. Like, it's got... Oh, turtle script is what they call it. It has, like, mathematical, boolean, and comparative uh, comparing operators. So you could... you can make your your turtle make choices, which is pretty exciting. And then the, the more you read, the, the more you find out. Like, you, you, you can detect where the turtle is. You can use uh, get x and get y are functions that, that return the location of the turtle. But, but how would you see that? Well, that leads you to look up m more functions, and then you learn about the print function where you realize you could you could print out for instance at every turn 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 right and then we could do a print parentheses get x close parentheses forward turn right and then we could do another print get x i mean it would probably be more interesting to do x and y but i'm just doing things quickly here uh, and and so now i've got like 66 starting point to, or i think 65 actually uh 200 320 and this is just i mean this is just the beginning this is there are variables there there's math as i said that you can do you can cal you, you can have the turtle calculate the the cosine and the sine uh so you can do really interesting shapes and and so on so it's very cool um, it is a little bit like Python, except without all the bothersome indentation, so that is probably another good reason to favor this over Python. Uh, so that's, I guess that's the other thing. I said one good thing is it's the GUI. The, the other good thing, I think, would be the fact that, yeah, you, you don't have to, you don't have to bother with the stupid indentation like you do in, in Python. And in fact, they, they scope things out with curly braces in, in TurtleScript. So, 
I think there's a, a really great argument here for using KTurtle as an intro to programming. If, if you've got someone in your life who maybe just can't wrap their mind around how code works and, and, and what the logic is, this could be a great way to demonstrate it in real time. I mean, not in real time. The turtle does not move with, with every command that you, that you, um, that you type. So, you know, if, if I get a new, a new thing here and I say, oh, why didn't it, oh, because I have to reset first, that's why. I mean, there's a, there's a good point right there. I just said new, and the, the turtle didn't, re the canvas didn't reset, just my little script editor reset. Not that that's a problem, I'm just saying that's a, a, a characteristic of this application. But if I, if I type in something, it, the turtle doesn't start moving right away. And and I mean, I, I understand why. That would be really confusing if the turtle was just jumping around every single moment, every you know, with every keystroke you're you're doing, uh, the the turtle's jumping around. Like that would be that would be a little bit crazy. So that's not how this happens. It doesn't work that way, and that's okay. But the turtle is always there, which is useful, and the turtle responds promptly to your script, and it's really easy to execute. You you, you adjust your script. You, you know you fix an error, an unexpected thing. You click run again, and it does it over. So it it's pretty quick feedback, which is good, I think, for starting out programming. Uh, and it's all there, which I think is really nice. I mean, again. In Python, aside from having to struggle with indentations, uh, I, I think I find a little bit, little bit of a hurdle to get over the fact that, oh, you're just typing text. And you don't really get to see what, what that means until you, until you run the program. And in, and in Python, sometimes that can be difficult in itself. The, the idle, I haven't used the graphical version of idle in a while, but as I recall, there's, it's not like there's a play button or anything. I mean, there are other ed editors for Python, like uh, mu, 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 whatever it is, mu, is supposed to be really good. I, I think I did try it at one point. Um, you know, but I mean, the kturtle is, is everything that you would, you know, it's got the script area, it's got the turtle area, it's got a play button. Now it does have a right panel, a right-hand panel, where it kind of gives you reports on on your program. I, I don't have an interesting enough program here uh, right now to have anything really all that useful. But I mean, it, it, it does, it do, for instance, I don't have variables. Uh, it doesn't even see that I have functions, which doesn't really, oh, maybe it means like custom functions. Because I mean, I'm, I'm using clearly using functions, reset, uh, print, uh, forward, turn left. I mean, those are, you know, so yeah, I, I guess it must mean cust custom functions or something. Uh, and then there's the tree view of your program, which I guess is kind of interesting. I wonder how useful it would be for most people using KTurtle, but maybe I'm just Maybe I'm overlooking something. So I don't know. I don't find the right panel all that useful. Easy enough to close. It's KDE panels are pretty pretty flexible. Uh, and then you've got your your editor and your your turtle interface and your run button up at the top. If someone programs something that they love, yes, they can save their script for later. So and, and I th you could actually even you really want to you can hide the turtle sprite because the turtle's just a sprite. There's this interface understands that the turtle doesn't have to exist or rather doesn't have to be visible. You could hide the turtle. You can export your drawing as a PNG or a an SVG. So how cool is that? It's it's really cool. There's a bunch of examples as well. So if you if you just don't know where to start, yes, discard changes. Then you can see code written for specific things like here's drawing a triangle how did i do that well exactly a reset and then the repeat function three times 
open curly brace, forward 160, uh, turn left 120, close curly bracket, uh, that's 100, not 160. I saw the slash through the zero and got confused. Uh, run that, and yeah, you, you get a triangle, because you repeated it four times. Uh, what, what happens if we change that number to uh, four? Well, you still get a triangle. Why would that be? Well, maybe it's because of uh, this line here, where we're saying how many degrees to turn left. What if we just did a 90 degree turn instead? and then press run. Hey, it turned into a square. You know, that kind of interaction right there, that's what a lot of people need, is just the, the, the stepping through the code, thinking out loud what the code is doing, and how that translates graphically. It's such a powerful, powerful learning tool. So, bottom line is KTurtle could be really, really useful if you're, if you're teaching someone how to code. Very, very cool application. Not one of those applications that I kind of like in my head thought, oh, this is going to be really cool to, to experience and, and think about. But no, actually, it's it's really cool. It's a, it's a good one. And you know, almost more importantly, maybe, it does demonstrate why re-implementation does have value. Because I, I, I could imagine the, the author of K-Turtle thinking at one point, should I really be working on this? Like, isn't this just re-implementing an ancient program that nobody remembers and those who do would will just use it in Python anyway. But here it is, KTurtle exists and and it brings something new to the table that that for instance the Python implementation just doesn't really have at least out of the box. So that's kind of kind of interesting to think about as well. K K K K Kubrick, Kubrick, that's what it's called, Kubrick, like the director. Um, Kubrick is a, this is going to be the last one I do this episode, but this is a Rubik's Cube uh, puzzle for, for your computer. So if you were particularly good at, um, at Rubik's Cubes, then this could be sort of of interest to you. Now, I was not very good at Rubik's Cubes at all. I never solved one in my life, I don't think. Um, I mean, I, I've had them, you know, like I've, I've definitely had these things. I've seen them. I've tried them. I could never get them. So this is a fun emulation of it. And you might think, well, that just doesn't seem possible. That just seems too hard to do on a computer. It isn't. Uh, you can, you can do this. Uh, it shows you two views of the cube. One shows you, you know, the 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 top right and left side and then the other one shows you sort of essentially the bottom and then the the back sides so so and and you can adjust you you can with your with your mouse you just kind of click in the direction that you want that um that quadrant again not a quadrant uh to to move and now you're you're solving the cube or at least you're doing something with the cube i'm definitely not solving this cube this is atrociously worse than where I started. Where's my, where's the green? Oh my goodness, it is so bad now. Yeah, I've really messed this one up. So anyway, there you go, Kubrick. If you're, if you're at, if you're any good at this at all, then, then go for it. I, I unfortunately am not. I am not good at it. It would be interesting though, and I have to admit, I might, I might mess around with this a little bit. It would, it could be interesting to try Kubrick with uh so if i go to new puzzle it mixes it up but you can well you can first of all you can load you can load a, a puzzle but you can um you can do you can reduce the size of the 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 cube so if you go to game the game menu uh in in kubrick go to choose puzzle type and there's easy not so easy hard very hard make your own so easy it starts with a two by two by one cube or 
not a cube. Uh, apparently it's called a mat, M-A-T. One move. It takes you one move to solve this puzzle, apparently. Could it really be that easy? Yes, actually it is. It really is. It, there's literally, there's, I mean, you could screw it up. Like, you, you could do accidentally, like, a horizontal rotation and think, oh, that wasn't right. So then you have to do another horizontal to get it back, and then vertical, and there you go. Now it's solved. Now, weirdly, it doesn't announce victory. Like, it doesn't seem to detect that you have won the game. That kind of seems weird to me. Yeah, it doesn't give you any kind of, um, any kind of congratulations whatsoever. It doesn't even end the simulation. You just solve it, and that's it. That is a, that's a bit weird. But, I mean, maybe they do that on purpose. Maybe they, maybe they want you to be able to mess it up a bit if, if you choose to. So then you can do a two by two by one, uh, two move puzzle, and then you've got the two moves that you have to, to do in order to solve the puzzle, and so on. You can, you can kind of, I think, maybe learn R Rubik's Cube or Kubrick uh, through Kubrick. Like, that's, that's, that is a really neat feature, actually, and I might, maybe I will at some point try to, try to get better at that through, through simulation. Maybe not, we'll see. So that's Kubrick, and I think that's about it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open So many questions about what might happen if a comet came swinging our way and made a collision.